Um, I think I introduced myself when I was up here doing announcements, but I'm Travis. I'm one of the pastors here. and um, It is an honor to be one of your pastors and to get to do this. Um, this is the last week I'm doing this until Jake gets back, so um, you're, almost, you're almost through it in case you're gr- gritting your teeth that I'm up here again. Um, but I'm excited to do this. This is our final week in our series on the life-giving practices, um, in case you haven't been with us for the whole four weeks. Uh, today we're jumping into life-giving truth, but I hope that this has been as powerful for you guys as it has for me. Um, it's been awesome to just kind of slow down and rediscover, like, why do we do these things in life group? Why do we practice these things as we live our lives? And it's been probably the best part of it has just been hearing stories. It's been hearing from people like Casey and Derek and Anna and hearing, uh, we're going to hear from Heidi Malowski today, which is going to be great. And, and even for me, just rehashing my own story over and over again has been awesome. And it's really just, you know, it's just renewed my belief in these practices, why we do them and why I want to pursue them as, as a way of life, as a lifestyle. Um, so like I said, this week we're going to jump into life-giving truth, and our truth for the morning comes from Hebrews 4.12. So we're going to start there. For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Um, this is one of my favorite verses. Um, but just the first sentence is my favorite, and that's what we're going to focus on, is these words alive and powerful. Alive simply means that God's word is active. It's moving. It's not stagnant. It's not out of date. It's not dead. It is alive because our God is alive, and he never stops working. And God's word is powerful because he is powerful. He has more power than anything we could possibly ever imagine. And this book is not just a book, as Neil said, the Bible the Word is a person, not a book. Neil preached on that like five weeks ago. And I thought it was one of the most impactful things that he said was that the Word is not, it's not a book, it's a person. It's Jesus. This is from John 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. These verses, of course, are referring to Jesus, the living word. He has brought light into darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The darkness can never extinguish it because Jesus lives. He lives. He has ultimate power. He has power that cannot be surpassed by anything. It cannot be contained by anything, and he's constantly working. He makes this book, the Bible... The words that are on paper, alive and powerful. And these words have the power to transform us from the inside out. And that's our truth for today. If you got one of our worship flyers, you can follow along. I've got some some points there on the outline. And the truth is at the top. Um, God's word transforms. And right off the bat, I know that not everybody believes that. Okay, And I know not everybody feels that way. And so we're going to start there with our conversation. Uh, I think I changed what number one on your outline was. I have it down as many don't find it powerful. I think I changed it to, are you sure? Um, Because the truth is, God's word transformed, and number one is, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure, but let's talk about it. Um, So before we really jump in, the one thing I want to say is I understand that all of us have a different relationship with the Bible, and it's been formed over years and years and years, from when we were little tykes to what we are now. Um, and, And so... In, in one way, shape, or form, I do believe that we all struggle with it in one way or another um, with reading the Bible. We know that as followers of Christ, it's a good thing for us to read it. There's power there. We believe that. 
Um, but there's roadblocks for each one of us, and they're different for all of us. So I don't pretend to know exactly where you stand with it and what's in your heart in relation to the Bible. Um, and I'm also not trying to place judgment on you for the way that you feel or in any way create any guilt today for how you feel. It, it is okay for you to feel the way that you feel and to have went through whatever process you've gone through. What I do feel like is the best thing for us to do, though, because I think and believe that we are a family here at Finding Life, is for us to talk about our struggles openly and to just be real about them and to not just talk about the problems, but to talk about solutions. Um, that's always been something I, when I was in, in sales for 11 years, the reps that worked for me used to get tired of me hear, of hearing me say that all the time. When somebody would talk about a problem, I would say, what's the solution? Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. And hopefully... Um, I have some ideas that I can throw out that will help. Um, if you don't feel like God's word is powerful, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not strange. You're not weird. I did some research uh, this week on Bible reading just because I was curious, and I came across a survey uh, that was done by the Barna Group. And if you don't know who the Barna Group is, essentially all they do is research on faith and life and culture. That's all they do. Um, and here's some stats that I found. 88% of Americans say they own a Bible. That's a lot of people. The average household owns 4.4 Bibles, so we got a stack of them somewhere, <laughs> collecting dust, maybe. 80% um, believe it's a sacred book. 61% wish they read it more. I'm in that group. And only 27% say they read it on a regular basis, which is four or more times a week. 27%. So something's missing, right? Something pretty big is missing. Uh, a lot of people have a Bible, or four. And they believe it's sacred. They believe it holds power, but yet we don't open the thing. And so something's missing. And what I've learned the past five years, I, I have a couple of reasons. I, this is not an exhaustive list because there's probably a lot of reasons. But one reason is we have no idea where to start. I've got a study Bible that, is, that has commentary at the bottom, and it has 1,830 pages. And that's pretty intimidating. I mean, even if you don't have a study Bible, it's still pretty intimidating. So it's really hard to know where to start. And I think because of that, a lot of us think we've got to start from, the start, start from the beginning and go all the way through it. Now, how many of us have started to do that and not finished? Right? It's fairly common. I see some hands going up. Yep. Amen. Um, it's, it's because you get like maybe 10% of the way in and you're like, what is happening right now? <laughs> um, and that's what's cool about the series we were just in was because we were tackling the Old Testament and the biblical narrative, and it was bringing a lot of that to light for us and hopefully making it more accessible for us. But um, I want you to know that I have definitely been in that spot. Um, after I gave my life to Jesus, it took me some time before I opened the Bible, and when I did, I started at the beginning, and it didn't take long for me to run into some stuff that I didn't understand and go, I'm not doing this anymore. This is crazy. Um, but I kept with it, mostly because I'm stubborn, and I said that I would do it. And so I just don't ever want to be wrong, so I had to continue with it. So I used to drive a lot for work, so I would listen to it in the car when I drove, and I would, I would also sit down at times and read it. Um, sometimes when I would be driving, I'm not going to lie, I would almost fall asleep. Um, because it would be dark, and, I, and yeah, while driving, smart, right? So I would like quickly shut it off and turn music on, like usually hard rock music, and roll the windows down, and... And then I could dive back in. Um, and, and so, yeah, it took me a while. I would lose motivation. I would stop. And then I would, I would feel guilty or I would, you know, just want to finish. And so I would start back up. I was listening to it and I was reading it. I was just doing that to learn it. 
And after a while, it became just a process of me wanting to get it done. And, and through that process, I don't think, I mean, I learned some stuff, but I don't really believe that I was changed much. I don't think that, that God's truth got from my head to my heart much at all. Because I know at that point in time when I finished it, my heart was still very much divided between living for Jesus and living for other things, mostly myself. So yeah, it's challenging, and I think we all get that. And there's probably other things we could talk about that make it challenging for us, but those are a couple of big ones. So again, I don't want to just talk about the problem, I want to talk about the solution. So number two on your outline is, what is the answer? And the answer is, and you're not going to be shocked to hear this, the answer is practicing life-giving truth. Um, and I, I just pulled an excerpt from the book, Discover the Life, that Neil and Judy wrote, and that Jake helped kind of uh, revise here recently. Uh, they put it this way, life-giving truth is the practice of telling ourselves God's truth, and so we actually believe it. When we do, it changes us from the inside out. As we read the Bible, we ask ourselves, what is this passage inviting me to believe? We're learning to focus on what God is revealing about himself, ourselves, and the world. Increasing knowledge and acting on instructions is good, but believing the truth at a heart level is what transforms us. The Bible teaches us in John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Information added to our brain is only the first step. Proverbs 3, uh, verses 1 through 3 provides another look. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For the length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So the key is not just reading the Bible for the sake of reading it, the key is to work God's truth into your heart. And you can't do that very well if when you're reading it, you're just doing it to get through it. It doesn't happen. It doesn't work that way. This idea, though, of getting God's truth from our heads to our hearts is really hard, right? It's not easy to figure out, well, how do I how do, I do that? Because it's going to, my heart doesn't actually go into my heart, does it? So how do I, what's, what's that even mean? My goal today is to try to help us with that idea and how to do that on our own, how to do it on our own and not have to rely on anybody else to do it for us. One of the things I've loved about Finding Life Church from the beginning, and I still love it today, is just the fact that we get these simple truths every single week, and I can go home, and I can write it on a chalkboard, and I can tell it to myself over and over again. And that's when I believe, like Neil and Judy said, I tell myself over and over again, and it gets from my head to my heart. And I remember it, and, it, and I don't have it memorized, but I believe it. It's in my core. I can access it any time. Um, I used to, when I first started, take the worship flyer home every single week and put it on my fridge. And I have a stack of them about that big. I have no idea where they're at because I've moved three times in three years. They're in a box somewhere that I still haven't unpacked. But at some point I'll find them and I'll, it'll bring back all kinds of great memories. Um, I said a minute ago that I wanted to help us do this on our own. And when I first started at Finding Life, I relied on Jake completely to give me a truth every week to do this with. Um, but I'll never forget it because I was a sales manager at the time, and one of the things that I used to preach at my sales reps was, if the only time you're actually focusing on your growth is when I'm in the car coaching you, then you're just going to fall way behind everybody else. Because everybody else, a lot of other people, are working at this every single day when nobody's looking. And then I realized, what a hypocrite I am, because I don't do that with my faith at all. And so I knew, I knew that needed to change. And so here's what I did. I just want to kind of walk you through my process because I, I'm going to say this in a minute, but I 
didn't grow up in the church. Um, I didn't know much about the Bible. It was a foreign thing to me. It, it, it actually scared me a lot to even open it, and, and it was very confusing to me. So hopefully by me walking through this with you, you'll, you'll, you'll see that this, is ex- that this is more accessible than we give it credit for, the Bible. God's Word is more accessible than we give it credit for, because I am also not the smartest guy in the world, and I was able to, to be impacted significantly by what I did here. So let's just jump into this. Um, this kind of answers the question, where do we start, right? I, I brought that up at the beginning. It's 1,800 pages. Where do I start? And you know what I decided? It doesn't matter where you start at all. It doesn't even matter that you read a whole chapter or a whole book of the Bible. It doesn't matter at all. What matters is that you're pursuing God. And so that was my heart. I just wanted to pursue God. Nearly every morning on my way to work, I would open up my Bible app and I would pray. Before I did anything, I would pray. And I still do this to this day. Because it's obviously God's done some crazy things in my life and he's changed me a ton. And so obviously this is a good prayer for me to pray. I'm just going to keep doing it. God, as I dive into your word, please work through it. Please use it to teach my heart what to believe about you. Use it to change me into the person that you want me to be. And I would flip to something in my Bible app. Or sometimes I would physically sit down with my actual paper Bible and I would read. Most of the time, oh, sorry. um, And I can't tell you how many times I did that where I was significantly impacted, where it was like I opened it up and I read something that was exactly what I needed to hear. And it was as if God was just there saying, turn to that page. And I would, and it would happen, and I would take pictures of it, and I would just be flabbergasted, like, I can't believe I just read this. Like, that fits what I'm going through perfectly right now. And it didn't happen every time. I'm not trying to give you some kind of unrealistic expectation. Um, It didn't happen every single time, but it happened a lot. And I thought it would be good to give you some real examples. Um, And let me tell you, this was really fun. I I got to, I didn't have internet for like two weeks at my house, so I sat in Panera. I know those people really well now. Um, And I was just sitting over there in the corner with my phone flipping through pictures, because as I would read these Bible verses and remember the truth from them, as I was going about my life, and this is like, you know, in the last five years, I would take pictures of them, and I was just flipping through old pictures. And so I was smiling a lot in Panera. They probably thought I was really weird. I was just looking at my pictures, remembering these, these cool things that happened. So here's, here's some examples of this uh, from my own life. Um, the first one is from May 6th of 2013. And both of these dates just so happen to be really hard times in my life. Um, hard dates in my life, let's put it that way, without going into a whole bunch of detail. Some things had happened to me in the past around these times of, of the year. Um, and for some reason in May of 2013, I fell in love with the message translation. I didn't remember that phase. Um, more of an NLT night guy now, New Living Translation. But here, here's the message, just so you guys know what I'm reading. This is Colossians 3, 12 through 14. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you, compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline, be even-tempered. That never described me in the past, even-tempered. Content with second place? Yeah, that wasn't me either. And quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. So as I came to faith in Jesus, it was obvious to me that God had done all kinds of things in my life. He had made all kinds of connections to bring me to, to a relationship with him. There was no question about it. 
but I still felt like the same person, even in 2013. Like, I was doing some things different, but I was compartmentalized. I, I, was, I was Travis, the Jesus follower, on Sunday and sometimes during the week at Life Group, and then at work I was a different guy, and at home I was a different guy. Um, but the truth I pulled from these verses was God chose me to love others. I told myself that truth over and over again, especially when I didn't want to love people, because there was plenty of times at work and at home when it just didn't feel easy to love people. It felt easier to not be even-tempered and kind and compassionate <laughs> and all of those things. Uh, but it began to change the way I reacted in challenging situations. And I even like changed my background picture on my phone to that verse so that I, could, I was constantly looking at it. Um, and it would constantly remind me that God chose me to love people. The next one is from December 1st of that same year. This is Isaiah 43. Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name. You are mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am God, your personal God, the Holy of Israel, your Savior. The truth I pulled from these verses is God is always with me, and no matter how bad it gets, he will not leave me because I belong to him. All right, that's a long truth statement, granted. But that's kind of what it meant to me. And every time life got overwhelming, every time that my job made me want to crawl into a hole, every time I was with my kids and I felt like a complete failure, I would tell myself this, that God's with me and he's not going to leave me. And I've got way more examples than these, but the last time I said I had a short sermon that was going to be 25 minutes long, it was 40. And so we're not going to do that again, okay? So I figured two examples was good enough. <laughs> um, part of the reason I wanted to give you some real examples, though, is just so that you can see, again, like I said before, how accessible this is. Like, you don't have to have any formal training. You don't have to be in seminary. Um, you don't have to have grown up in the church. Like... I used to say this a lot in my old life as a businessman is the way you learn things is just by going out there and skinning your knees and learning as you go. And, and, and I believe 100% that, that God meets us there because he promises to. Searching for the life-giving truth is absolutely one way to pursue God. And when we pursue him, he does reveal himself. He will meet us there. Like I just said, James 4, 8, come close to God and God will come close to you. Psalm 145, 18, the Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. The truth is you don't have to do it right because there isn't a right way to do it. And you don't have to know what you're doing because God knows what he's doing and he's going to be the one doing it anyway. He's going to be the one meeting you on those pages with those words, working through them to impact your heart and life. Okay, so the last thing I want to do today uh, is talk a little bit more about why this practice is such a big deal and why it can have such a big impact on your life. And that's number three on your outline, and that's the why. And for this, I'm just going to bring up Heidi Malowski to share um, she could probably, she's going to do this better than I could. There's absolutely no question about it. Um, and I'm excited to hear from her, and I hope you guys are too. And I just want to say thank you for, for doing this. I'll let you have the stand, and you can stand right there. All right. Thank you. Um, 
Well, first I want to introduce myself. I'm Heidi Malowski. Um, I've been coming here for um, about three years, my husband Tom and then my son Will. Um, yeah, we've been here for three years. We really love it here. I'm excited to be here. I uh, sent what I was going to say to to Travis and I said, I'm probably going to cry because I just do that. I just cry. And he was kind. He said, well, real is better than perfect. So you're probably going to get a ton of real because that's just how I am. So um, in, in March of this year, um, while on spring break, uh, my, I had to go to the emergency room. Uh, and while we were there, the, the doctor diagnosed me with an ectopic pregnancy. This was um, the second ectopic pregnancy that I'd had in 15 months. And, um, and in January of 2014, I had to have one of my fallopian tubes removed because it had ruptured. Uh, through a series of doctor's visits in Memphis and here in Omaha, it was determined that I was going to need surgery um, as the pregnancy was causing me harm. On the morning of the surgery, uh, I met with the doctor and the doctor told me, you know, I'll do what I can, you know, but realistically, we're probably going to have to take out, um, we're probably going to have to take out your other fallopian tube. So you and your husband will have to look at having, if you want to have any more kids, you'll have to do it through IVF. You know, and I was obviously just heartbroken when I heard that news. Fast forward a couple of hours, and as I was being wheeled back to the surgery room, I was just overcome with this amazing feeling of peace. My brain was flooded with a series of life-giving truths. The truths that came to my mind consisted of different versions of God has a plan. Everything that happens is under his control. God's trustworthy. He loves me. And he cares for me more than I can understand. These thoughts are not naturally how I look at every hardship I encounter. Uh, I try to be a positive person, but it's easy to question and to think something isn't fair and to wonder why me or why someone else is dealing with a situation that just doesn't seem right. But that, but that day, I couldn't have felt more love or at greater peace. Finding life truths, their emphasis on life-giving truth has helped me to think differently. And to have my natural thoughts transformed into God's thoughts. When we first came to finding life, I knew that something was different. Something was different in the messages that were preached each week, but I just couldn't pinpoint it. They always seemed to be so positive and just so inspirational. And 
that was just something that I hadn't experienced before. But through the Discover the Life classes and being involved in a life group, I've come to realize and love that each week's message is centered around a truth and that I've been able to find those messages as well when I read the Bible. That I can find God's truth for my heart and God's truth for my life. I didn't have it in my notes, but um, I felt like I needed to kind of summarize or just sum up what happened. Um, when I came out, like I said, the doctor, she told me that, you know, she would do what she could, but that it was really not that I was in so much pain. The tube was probably already destroyed, and that was just what was going to happen. But um, when I was in the recovery room, I remember the doctor came over, and she was just right beside me, and she, she said, you know, we didn't have to take out the other tube. Somehow the pregnancy had, had implanted on the tube that had previously been removed. Um, and my husband and I were, were now expecting a, a child. <laughs> so, which is, <laughs> sorry. Which, like, I didn't know, I didn't know if I wanted to share it or not because, like, you know, I feel like no matter what happened, the truth that God put on my heart that he has a plan and that he's in control and that he's trustworthy. Those are true no matter what. But it's really amazing that, that those things are so true. And when we found out we were pregnant, it's just like this was not supposed to be how it, like this is not the plan that we had thought, but God's plan is just so good. And I'm just thankful that thankful for here and for this, the practice of life-giving truth. Thank you. Congratulations. And we're thankful for you. <laughs> Thank you so much um, for that. She emailed that to me like on Wednesday and I uh, and, and my sermon completely changed based off what she wrote, and I was tearing up in Panera. Again, I was in Panera, <laughs> tearing up, reading an email. Um, so thank you again, Heidi. It's awesome um, to hear from you. And I just thank you for just how authentic you were, because that, that couldn't have been easy um, to just get up and go, there you are. Um, and I don't know that I really need to say a lot more about life-giving truth. I just have a couple of things I want to. I, I just kind of pulled from what um, Heidi said, just to wrap up our time together, um, about why this practice is so important. First and foremost, because life is hard. I've heard just, I mean, her story and a whole lot of other stories in my own life. I mean, life is hard. It will be hard. We're going to be hurt by people. Uh, we're going to hurt people, and hard things are going to happen to us that we wish wouldn't happen to us. And when things like that happen, it's easy to lose hope. It's easy to get down. But that's one reason God has given us his truth. That's what I, I pulled from what Heidi said. It's so that when hard times happen, we have it to rely on. Uh, John 16, 33 is, is a great verse. I have told you all of this. This is Jesus. 
so that you may have peace in me. Here on this earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. His words are there to bring us peace in challenging times. If we are working God's simple truths into our heart through this practice, they're going to be there when life gets hard. They're right there. You don't have to go find them. As, as Heidi didn't have to go find them, they just came flooding into her mind. Um, I'm going to jump into the second reason, and I'm going to invite the band back up now um, as we wrap up. That second reason is because Satan is real. And we are so tempted to believe his lies. We're tempted to believe that we aren't good enough, that we're only as good as the way we look, the way we act, how successful we are. We're tempted to live our lives based on people and culture and things that just aren't, that just don't matter. We need simple truths in our hearts that are ready, and are ready to quickly blunt lies when they pop into our heads, because they will. They do every single day. Ephesians 6.11 Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. And this is verse 14 from Ephesians 6. Stand your ground, putting on your belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Let's pray. Father God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for how you use it to reveal yourself to us. But most of all, God, thank you that your word is alive and active, that it's not just words on a page, but that you work through it and that you use your word to transform us, to be more and more like your son, Jesus. But if, if anything is, is come to light today, it's just that, God, we need your help. We always need your help, but we need your help with this too. Help us be more drawn into your word on a consistent basis, help us feel a connection to it, a need for it. Not because we need to check a box or feel better about our, our righteousness or anything like that, but, but help us to do it because we just want to be with you. We want to experience you. We want to experience your truth and be changed by it. In Jesus' name, amen.